Chapter Fifteen of Janet's Repentance from Scenes of Clerical Life by George Eliot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Chapter Fifteen. The stony street, the bitter northeast wind and darkness, and in the midst of them a tender woman thrust out from her husband's home in her thin nightdress, the harsh wind cutting her naked feet and driving her long hair away from her half-clad bosom where the poor heart is crushed with anguish and despair. The drowning man, urged by the supreme agony, lives in an instant through all his happy and unhappy past. When the dark flood has fallen like a curtain, memory in a single moment sees the drama acted over again. And even in those earlier crises which are but types of death, when we are cut off abruptly from the life we have known, when we can no longer expect to-morrow to resemble yesterday, and find ourselves by some sudden shock on the confines of the unknown, there is often the same sort of lightning flash through the dark and unfrequented chambers of memory. When Janet sat down shivering on the door-stone, with the door shut upon her past life, and the future black and unshapen before her as the night, the scenes of her childhood, her youth, and her painful womanhood rushed back upon her consciousness, and made one picture with her present desolation. The petted child taking her newest toy to bed with her, the young girl, proud in strength and beauty, dreaming that life was an easy thing, and that it was pitiful weakness to be unhappy. The bride, passing with trembling joy from the outer court to the inner sanctuary of woman's life. The wife, beginning her initiation into sorrow, wounded, resenting, yet still hoping and forgiving. The poor, bruised woman, seeking through weary years the one refuge of despair, oblivion. Janet seemed to herself all these in the same moment that she was conscious of being seated on the cold stone under the shock of a new misery. All her early gladness, all her bright hopes and illusions, all her gifts of beauty and affection, served only to darken the riddle of her life. They were the betraying promises of a cruel destiny, which had brought out those sweet blossoms, only that the winds and storms might have a greater work of desolation, which had nursed her like a pet fawn into tenderness and fond expectation, only that she might feel a keener terror in the clutch of the panther. Her mother had sometimes said that troubles were sent to make us better and draw us nearer to God. What mockery that seemed to Janet! Her troubles had been sinking her lower from year to year, pressing upon her like heavy fever-laden vapours, and perverting the very plenitude of her nature into a deeper source of disease. Her wretchedness had been a perpetually tightening instrument of torture, which had gradually absorbed all the other sensibilities of her nature into the sense of pain and the maddened craving for relief. Oh, if some ray of hope, of pity, of consolation, would pierce through the horrible gloom, she might believe then in a divine love, in a heavenly father who cared for his children, but now she had no faith, no trust. There was nothing she could lean on in the wide world, for her mother was only a fellow-sufferer in her own lot. The poor patient woman could do little more than mourn with her daughter. 
she had humble resignation enough to sustain her own soul but she could no more give comfort and fortitude to janet than the withered ivy-covered trunk can bear up its strong full-bowed offspring crashing down under an alpine storm janet felt she was alone no human soul had measured her anguish had understood her self-despair had entered into her sorrows and her sins with that deep-sighted sympathy which is wiser than all blame more potent than all reproof such sympathy as had swelled her own heart for many a sufferer and if there was any divine pity she could not feel it it kept aloof from her it poured no balm into her wounds it stretched out no hand to bear up her weak resolve to fortify her fainting courage now in her utmost loneliness she shed no tear she sat staring fixedly into the darkness while inwardly she gazed at her own past almost losing the sense that it was her own or that she was anything more than a spectator at a strange and dreadful play the loud sound of the church clock striking one startled her she had not been there more than half an hour then and it seemed to her as if she had been there half the night she was getting benumbed with cold with that strong instinctive dread of pain and death which had made her recoil from suicide she started up and the disagreeable sensation of resting on her benumbed feet helped to recall her completely to the sense of the present the wind was beginning to make rents in the clouds and there came every now and then a dim light of stars that frightened her more than the darkness it was like a cruel finger pointing her out in her wretchedness and humiliation it made her shudder at the thought of the morning twilight what could she do not go to her mother not rouse her in the dead of night to tell her this her mother would think she was a spectre it would be enough to kill her with horror and the way there was so long if she should meet someone yet she must seek some shelter somewhere to hide herself five doors off there was mrs pettifer's that kind woman would take her in it was of no use now to be proud and mind about the world's knowing she had nothing to wish for nothing to care about only she could not help shuddering at the thought of braving the morning light there in the street she was frightened at the thought of spending long hours in the cold life might mean anguish might mean despair but oh she must clutch it though with bleeding fingers her feet must cling to the firm earth that the sunlight would revisit not slip into the untried abyss where she might long even for familiar pains janet trod slowly with her naked feet on the rough pavement trembling at the fitful gleams of starlight and supporting herself by the wall as the gusts of wind drove right against her the very wind was cruel it tried to push her back from the door where she wanted to go and knock and ask for pity mrs pettifer's house did not look into orchard street it stood a little way up a wide passage which opened into the street through an archway janet turned up the archway and saw a faint light coming from mrs pettifer's bedroom window the glimmer of a rushlight from a room where a friend was lying was like a ray of mercy to janet after that long long time of darkness and loneliness 
it would not be so dreadful to awake Mrs. Pettifer as she had thought. Yet she lingered some minutes at the door before she gathered courage to knock. She felt as if the sound must betray her to others besides Mrs. Pettifer, though there was no other dwelling that opened into the passage, only warehouses and outbuildings. There was no gravel for her to throw up at the window, nothing but heavy pavement. There was no doorbell. She must knock. Her first rap was very timid, one feeble fall of the knocker, and then she stood still again for many minutes. But presently she rallied her courage and knocked several times together, not loudly but rapidly, so that Mrs. Pettifer, if she only heard the sound, could not mistake it. And she had heard it, for by and by the casement of her window was opened, and Janet perceived that she was bending out to try and discern who it was at the door. "'It is I, Mrs. Pettifer. It is Janet Dempster. Take me in, for pity's sake.' "'Merciful God! What has happened?' "'Robert has turned me out. I have been in the cold a long while.' Mrs. Pettifer said no more, but hurried away from the window, and was soon at the door with a light in her hand. "'Come in, my poor dear, come in,' said the good woman, in a tremulous voice, drawing Janet within the door. "'Come into my warm bed, and may God in heaven save and comfort you.' The pitying eyes, the tender voice, the warm touch, caused a rush of new feeling in Janet. Her heart swelled, and she burst out suddenly, like a child, into loud, passionate sobs. Mrs. Pettifer could not help crying with her, but she said, come upstairs my dear come don't linger in the cold she drew the poor sobbing thing gently upstairs and persuaded her to get into the warm bed but it was long before janet could lie down she sat leaning her head on her knees convulsed by sobs while the motherly woman covered her with clothes and held her arms round her to comfort her with warmth at last the hysterical passion had exhausted itself, and she fell back on the pillow, but her throat was still agitated by piteous after-sobs, such as shake a little child even when it has found a refuge from its alarms on its mother's lap. Now Janet was getting quieter, Mrs. Pettifer determined to go down and make a cup of tea, the first thing a kind old woman thinks of as a solace and restorative under all calamities. Happily there was no danger of awaking her servant, a heavy girl of sixteen who was snoring blissfully in the attic, and might be kept ignorant of the way in which Mrs. Dempster had come in. So Mrs. Pettifer busied herself with rousing the kitchen fire, which was kept in under a huge raker, a possibility by which the coal of the Midland counties atones for all its slowness and white ashes. When she carried up the tea, Janet was lying quite still. The spasmodic agitation had ceased, and she seemed lost in thought. Her eyes were fixed vacantly on the rush-light shade, and all the lines of sorrow were deepened in her face. "'Now, my dear,' said Mrs. Pettifer, "'let me persuade you to drink a cup of tea. You'll find it warm you and soothe you very much. Why, dear heart, your feet are like ice still.' Now do drink this tea, and I'll wrap em up in flannel, and then they'll get warm. Janet turned her dark eyes on her old friend and stretched out her arms. She was too much oppressed to say anything. Her suffering lay like a heavy weight on her power of speech, 
but she wanted to kiss the good kind woman. Mrs. Pettifer, setting down the cup, bent towards the sad beautiful face, and Janet kissed her with earnest sacramental kisses, such kisses as seal a new and closer bond between the helper and the helped. She drank the tea obediently. It does warm me, she said, but now you will get into bed. I shall lie still now. Mrs. Pettifer felt it was the best thing she could do to lie down quietly and say no more. She hoped Janet might go to sleep. As for herself, with that tendency to wakefulness common to advanced years, she found it impossible to compose herself to sleep again after this agitating surprise. She lay listening to the clock, wondering what had led to this new outrage of Dempster's, praying for the poor thing at her side, and pitying the mother who would have to hear it all to-morrow. End of chapter 15 of Janet's Repentance